Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. I'm your host for today, Whit Lopez. I'm very excited to be sitting in the art studio of an amazing student, amazing disability advocate, Jade Ramos. I'm here at Moore College, and the walls here in the art studio are covered with amazing art that is made by Jade. Uh, so, Jade, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, not a problem. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, your work is absolutely brilliant. It's really beautiful. How would you describe the media that you use to make your work? <clears throat> I would say it's like mixed media. I uh, I do a lot both digital and analog. I've learned how to edit on Photoshop recently with a teacher who actually sat down and like helped me go through it since it's not accessible in terms of seeing everything. Uh, yeah, I use a lot of markers and paint markers, stencils. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really, no, it's really beautiful. I I love your work. Um, I love the variety of color. I love the variety of layers that are in your work, also. So, can you can you describe your work to us, please? Like what what it is that I'm currently looking at. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, the three panels that are in front of us here are all made with the. Uh, sheer nylon I like ripped out all the pages in my sketchbook scanned them in and then edited it into photoshop so that's where all these different layers are uh, and they all have <clears throat> different uh, things related to disability activism and like quotes about certain stuff like the one in the center says for people with disabilities the civil rights movement is not over yet um, this one to the side says you were brainwashed into thinking that living with a disability is not a life worth living. Mm. So, uh, and I do a lot of the layers, um, both to like make it I don't know kind of abstract so it could be palatable to other people, but still know what's in there. Like if you look close enough, I also have an eye condition that makes uh, focusing really hard. So like words get jumbled or they get like doubled or blurred or like scattered so uh I try to mimic that in the work that I like do. Mm. Wow. It's really amazing. Like I I really really love your work. I think it's really amazing. So I also have so I have brain atrophy and I also have uh I get ocular migraines which can cause like temporary blindness for me but also can cause spots in my vision. Um, I also have experienced double vision on many, many, many occasions. It's so for... fun. <laughs> I know, right? Super exciting. Like, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, oh my goodness, yeah. Like, trying to cross the street with double vision is a nightmare for me. Yeah. Like, I, I will do anything to not have to cross the street when I'm experiencing that. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I, I'm grateful for your work because the way that you mimic the experiences of those of us that have vision impairment so that people who don't have vision impairment can understand how difficult it can be sometimes to navigate the world with vision impairment um, is amazing. Like It's amazing to me. And I, I love that you're doing that. I love that you're mimicking your own experiences with vision so that people 
who are excited can experience what you experience too. Um, but I also love that these these aren't just like any old words that you're putting together, but they're they're words of protest and they're words of empowerment to other folks with vision impairment to other disabled folks. Period. Yeah. Like a lot of stuff that you that you do is about disabled folks, and so as disabled as a fellow disabled person, it's very exciting to me to see work that reflects that and to see work that reflects my experiences too. Uh, I'm really grateful for because a lot of times the art world tends to forget that disabled artists exist too. The world, period, tends to forget. Yeah, I even used you as an example <laughs> in my critical discourse class. Oh, stop. Um, yeah, we had to do a thing about queer theory and the reading, I don't know who scanned it for me because I couldn't read the physical copy, so uh. they had to do a PDF. Uh, they did it incorrectly on top of me also waiting like a month for all of that. And we had to do like presentation. So I, we had to do a thing on queer theory and originally I was going to do it on semiotics, but because I didn't get the stuff in time, I couldn't. So then finally, when I got that queer theory thing, they cut off like half the book. So oh. it was like all the right page I could see, but then the left, it was like, you couldn't see any of it. Oh. Um, and I was like, okay, I don't know how I'm supposed to make a thing about this. And they talked about intersectionality, but right, didn't include right. disability, because, you know, why exactly. would they? And right. then I was like, I'm going to find an artist who's similar to me. And then, I, yeah, I used you as an example in my class. Aww. And everybody was like, oh. So, yeah. I'm so honored. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I still have that uh, so nice. slideshow. I'll send it to you. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, that's really cool. So since you're mentioning accessibility as a student, uh, I know for myself, when I was in college, accessibility was an issue because the campus that I was on, there was a lot of walking that I had to do. And sometimes between classes, it was way too much walking and my muscles were like, hey, we're gonna give up right now. And then, so it was like, oh, I guess I gotta go home because I can't make it to my next class. So for you as a student, um, what is accessibility for you like? Because I know for me, it was a nightmare trying to navigate academia, trying to navigate whatever while also being a disabled student. So are you okay with speaking about that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like more people should talk about it. Uh, Absolutely. Because, yeah, people don't really, like, I would say um, both actually throughout high school and, like, even now or growing up since I was born this way, uh, like, the, the child study teams or the people that are, like, in those offices are always, they seem really knowledgeable and, like, oh, we know how to help you. But then getting that same message to, like, the teachers that are actually, like, supplying the materials and doing whatever, like, that's where I always find a disconnect. Mm. And especially growing up, taking special education classes, that always, like, threw me off because it's like, what? Yeah, I would think this should be easier because there's, like, 12 of us instead of 24. And right, you're like, right. I'm the only one in that predicament anyway growing up that I needed that thing and it wasn't I had like a slant board but they never like enlarged anything uh, in high school I would just have to sit there like now it's like mm, I'm terrible. a lot more outspoken so I have friends yeah. who if the teachers don't want to help they'll help me if I can't get through to the teacher that's um, great yeah and then or like lately now it's like I stick up for myself a lot I remind them that it's illegal and that they you know like absolutely I'm paying just like anyone else is to go here uh, so yeah, I've, it's it's been tricky, but it's, I feel like if you have the right people to help you out, then it's fine. 
but obviously mm-hmm. that's not the case for everybody. Absolutely. That's yeah. definitely not the case for everybody. I'm really glad that you brought up that experience and, you know, named that. It's really important for that to exist, for that accessibility to exist. And I'm sorry to hear that as the only student experiencing certain things that your needs still weren't met, even in small class sizes. Yeah. So thank you for mentioning that, because I think sometimes people who are abled forget, or they because they don't experience it, they don't have to think about it. And so they don't. But that doesn't mean that they don't have to do their job. Yeah. They still need to do their job. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, still got to do your job. Yeah, because I feel like if you're saying that, like, my education doesn't matter as opposed to everybody else's because you're not, like, doing what I need or what. And it's not even like it's complicated. Right, right. Because if I, if I was completely blind, I could have refined. It's not like they have to translate it to Braille. They would get somebody else to do that. So yeah. it's still, like, they make it seem like it's such... A hassle, but then no one ever thinks about the other opposite end of like right. now all the work that I have to do because you're not doing what I need, so you're like making me struggle twice as hard. And also, I don't know if you're familiar with spoon theory, but yeah, completely running oh, yeah. out of spoons in the middle of the day when you have to do all this <laughs> other like how, yeah, navigate uh, fatigue is something like which is actually why I started working with stencils because. Now it's like even if I get super tired, I can still work because I just have to feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I am familiar with spoon theory, and it's something that I use for myself. A lot of times, like, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, how many spoons do I have for this day? Like, is this a day that I can walk through on my own? Is it a day when I need to take my crutches or my cane? Or is it a day when I need to stay home, you know, because I can't necessarily navigate the world in a way that would be productive for myself? Um, it's something that I have to do that kind of check-in with myself like every single yeah. day. So I am familiar with spoon theory, and I appreciate you bringing it up. For those of you who are listening and aren't familiar with spoon theory, uh, what it means is that imagine that you wake up every day with 10 spoons, and if you're a disabled person, you know, something might take, that, take a spoon away from you. You know, maybe brushing your hair for the day took away two spoons. So now you're a little more tired. You have a little more, little less energy for the day. Maybe walking to the bus stop has now just taken three spoons away. So now instead of having the 10 spoons that you originally had in order to make it through the day, you now only have five spoons left to make it through your work day or your school day or just whatever it is you're going to do for the rest of the day. And by the end of the day, however many spoons you feel like you have left is pretty much representative of the energy and the capacity that you have to interact with other people. So thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate it. Uh, so let's talk about your disability advocacy work. Um, what are you getting into these days? <clears throat> um, well, lately I've been doing um, an internship with the local disability pride parade. Uh, nice. People, nice. yeah. I uh, I did the shirt for the pride parade. That's oh, that's great. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, this is. The shirt, and it says DPP 2019, and then I made, like, a megaphone-type thing, so it says, say it loud to see if it's loud. That's, That's so cool. My Instagram handle, yeah, it was fun. I got paid, like, 500 bucks. Hey! Yeah, so <laughs> I felt like such That's a legit wonderful. artist. You are a legit artist, yes. <laughs> Get that money. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. And I did like um, art in the courtyards with them, which was at like City Hall, and it was like a whole bunch of different um, disabled artists. And like some of us did similar things, but they also had other companies that like, like uh, Spark or Art Reach or what's the other? 
I don't remember. But they had a lot of different ones that, like, be like, oh, you could get this if you have food stamps, you type of things. Um, or go to certain places. Like, if you have an access card, you could get into, like, the PMA for, like, $2. That's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's really wonderful. So with the advocacy that you're doing um, as a disabled artist, what do you hope to see? What would you like to see changed? What would you like to see? How would you like to see other disabled folks and disabled artists accommodated? That's a good question. Um, I would say I think people just need to listen more. Mm, I, I hear that. Yeah. yeah. They just, <laughs> um, because they always be like, wow, what you're doing is so great. But then I feel like I'm like, it's like, oh, you appreciate it on a surface level, but on, like, that deeper one, you're not going to get it unless you see, I guess, everything, which is why I tried for social media also to be, like, honest as much as I can. Because sometimes I feel like some people, if you complain too much about a thing, they get, like, annoyed that you're, like, constantly doing that or constantly talking about it. But it's like, that's my life. I don't know what to tell you. Right. Like, right. everyone else gets to be represented and talk about their experiences and, like, do all of that. Yeah. Um, so I would just want the same for us because that does seem to be something that I don't know, people don't understand why we want it. Like, I've had to explain that to, like, family members and, like, other things about why representation is, like, why it matters and why it's important and why I'm angry that, like, certain films or, like, TV shows you know, implicate a certain stereotype or whatever, because if that's the only thing somebody sees yeah. of disability and it's not correct, it's, like, well, it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, <laughs> I completely understand, completely understand. Um, and I feel like a lot of times within movies or TV, people with disabilities are vilified. Like, they're, they're the villains, right? Like, even in a movie like, uh, what is that, Glass? where Samuel Jackson plays a man with, uh, I think, osteogenesis imperfecta, oh. where, like, his bones break very easily. Oh, wow. So I he, never he, even know that he would, oh, I got to check that out, maybe. <laughs> or at least see a summary. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. And so, like, you know, his name is Glass because his bones break easily like Glass, but then also he's the villain in the in the movie. And, you know, I feel like oftentimes disability is part of a villain's identity so it's like it's vilified in in media and so a lot of us who are disabled in real life you know who you know aren't these actors we're also getting vilified just by trying to be like hey I need a ramp to get into this space or hey if I'm going to be there there has to be chairs you know to sit in because I can't stand long or there needs to be braille lettering on this or there needs to be a bathroom that's wheelchair accessible you know and Instead of folks being like, you know, you're absolutely right because your life needs this thing, they're just like, what? No. And then they stop answering your calls and your emails. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Which is always why, like, I feel like the, uh, I've been trying with, like, words and stuff to maybe, not, like, mimic Yeah, yeah, kind of mimic things. Like, like um, you know how people are, like, abolish rights. I have, I've made a thing that says abolish ableism. Um. Uh, because I'm hoping in using similar text that that'll get people's attention more. And then they can be like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's true. I didn't think of that. Or think about it enough to, like, actually call some action. It's a better, a, a better result of what I would rather actually see. Cause, yeah, Absolutely. Talking gets only so far. 
No, that's real. That's real. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I was just talking about, you know, galleries, spaces being accessible, art spaces, museums being accessible. So for you as an artist who has visual impairment, how can museums and gallery spaces be accessible for you? Like, what does accessibility in those spaces look like for you? Um, <clears throat> well, I would say, for the most part, like, if it's, like, if I could use my phone, obviously I know, like, you know, no flash or whatever, because I, I get that. But in terms of, like, yeah, using my phone so I could zoom in, like, see the art better, or see the wall text if I can't get too close because there's, like, a barrier or something where you're not mm. supposed to step over, like, a certain thing. Um, or also just be in people's way. Like, I don't like doing that, but it's, like, sometimes I have to because I can't read what it's saying and you know, everybody else is, like, mm. um, you know, further back, but I have to get, like, right here. So, uh, okay. yeah, I would say if I could use my phone for the most part, it's, like, pretty easy because, uh, sure, well, Easier to deal with, I should say. Not easy in itself, mm. but um, because the place where I can't use my phone, then it's like, oh man, like then it's really not as accessible because the stuff I usually could see with assistive technology, I now can't because they're not allowed. And I'm really, actually, in Puerto Rico, that happened a lot. They're mm. like, no, like don't take any pictures, no flash, no nothing. Like it's like, oh what. Wow. Like, I want to find these artists and, like, get to know that, but it's, like, yeah, you, so I have to write their name down, but then they're not, like, known, you know, so you can't just find them, and it's, like, oh, man, but, uh, mm. obviously at the PMA or, like, other art museums, it is, like, slightly easier, but the barns, I hate it. I have not, I went there once for a class and have not been back since because their thing is so inaccessible. It's, like, they have these little booklets. So they have the art everywhere, and then there's, like, numbers, but the numbers are also really small, like, by the paintings themselves, and then you got to get the book that's in the room, find the thing, and then be like, okay, that's this, but, yeah, it's a lot of effort, and it's like, oh, my God, like, I don't even want to deal with that, which is um, also funny, considering they have a pamphlet that uh, the school was given out maybe, like, a year or two ago. And it said that it was, like, accessible to everybody, but, like, no, it isn't, because it wasn't, so, like, and I have some remaining vision, so I can only imagine somebody else that's, like, worse off or whatever, you, yeah, it wouldn't be <laughs> accessible, like, in any way, shape, or form, so that was not a fun time. No, that's true, that's true. Um, I, I worked there on a project for a short time last summer, and, yeah, um, one of my friends is also blind in one eye and said how difficult it was to navigate the space being blind in one eye. Um, so, yeah. And also because they have that line on the floor that you're not allowed to cross, like yeah. nothing about your body or your bag or your jacket or anything can cross that line. So I could definitely see how... It's like really nerve-wracking. Really, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you're like, Ugh, I can't touch anything. <laughs> no, I definitely understand. Someone who was there in a wheelchair was saying similar things, where it was like it's difficult because the rooms, uh, it was difficult for them to navigate because even though they were in a wheelchair and the, the doorways are wheelchair accessible, um, where people stand because they can't stand by that line near the art makes it so that they're closer to the center of the room. So it's difficult to turn in a wheelchair in a way that they would need to turn to see the art as well. So uh, it's definitely something to consider. It's definitely something to consider. Um, any other things that you would think about when it comes to accessibility in galleries? 
Or like if you're hanging your own art, how would that be accessible to other folks? Well, for my thesis, I tried to make, uh, I did that installation space uh, and tried to make it to where people could like walk through. I tried to get other people with other disabilities outside of vision ones to like come and uh, check it out to get like their input, but that didn't really happen. So, <laughs> um, but on the, yeah, I would say like lighting is also super um, important because I put it's like I can't see in too dim of lighting, and then mm -hmm. I also have like light sensitivity. You're just too bright, so then same, it's like, same yeah, on both. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta <laughs> find like that balance of like, okay, this isn't too much, and I can see it, and it's whatever. So like, exactly. In and installing for that installation, like I don't have depth perception, so everybody's like, how are you gonna hang all of these things? And I I needed help, so that was fine. I got a person to help me out with that. So I would say, yeah, if you have a good assistant. That's a way to get your like problems heard, but because I haven't done like an actual gallery space outside of like the school, uh, well, no, that's a lie. But in in a professional ads type of setting, I would say, yeah, because I did it like before I moved here, um, in New Jersey, um, but like yeah, I would say in in that sense, like I don't know how it would be, but I would hope that they would be like you know listening. To my concerns, because if you're going to listen to the concerns of other people and how they want their art to be, like, shown, I would also want it Absolutely. to be accessible. So, yeah, like, bigger wall tags or, like, uh, even getting something in Braille, but I would have to figure out how to do that, obviously. I know they have some centers that, like, print stuff, but since I haven't Absolutely. actually, like, done it, yeah, I don't know. That whole process, but yeah. I can actually tell you that later, because oh, okay. I've, I've gotten wall tags made in Braille. Uh, there's a place on... Walnut Street. Oh, that does it. So um, I can't remember their name right now off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, it's really great. They Ooh. they do a really wonderful job with printing um, printing the braille wall text. So it's fantastic. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll have to give you the information later because I can't remember their name off the top of my head. Yes, um, but it's wonderful. Uh, but that's really good to know. That's really good to know that uh, you know large print text. And, uh, and also getting an assistant that can help you is also really great. I actually had a really great assistant who helped me last February um, to install a show at William Way. Shout out to Akili Davis uh, for helping me, helping me install that show because I couldn't really speak very well and I couldn't walk very well, but she was able to help me put up the show you know, without me having to try to hammer things into the wall myself and have to explain directions to people. You know, she was patient enough with me that I could write it on my phone um, or I could text it, you know, text it to her and she would help me with the installation. So super grateful. You're absolutely right about um, an accessibility tool kind of being someone who can help you. Yeah, just do these yeah sorts of I, I would say, especially because there was this um, essay by this uh, guy named Randolph Bourne that he wrote in 1911, um, but he didn't like disclose his disability then. I think it got republished a couple years later, and then, I don't know if someone out of him or he out of himself, but either way, mm. this guy is like, now he's known for that, and he did an entire thing based on um, what it is to be a disabled person in a society that like doesn't really view your humanity as something that matters wow. um, all the time, and also how like we as disabled people notice how they view us and how yep. we could like internalize that Absolutely. but then also be like oh like 
no, we're going to, like, combat that, but then you kind of can't, depending on where you're at in the world, because obviously, we're, you know, we're in the States, so we're lucky in that sense. I don't know about other places in terms of their accessibility, because Puerto Rico isn't that good either. I was just there in January, uh, and I, like, noticed certain stuff, so I can't even imagine what it would be like to live there and not be there only for vacation. Were you visiting family? Um, yeah. <clears throat> I normally stay in, like, the Calle area, which is, like, southeast, kind of, like, 45 minutes away from San Juan. Okay, cool, uh, cool. <clears throat> yeah, so, like, the, um, finding people, and in that essay, he talked about how, like, your friends are, like, really, like, we value them so much, because if they could get to that level of, like, being close to us, but also, like, understanding our needs, and, like, not making them seem burdensome exactly, or like exactly. an excess thing or like oh this is so annoying like over the summer um I was watching this Netflix show I think like a house on haunting hill something like that um and they had like audio description which is great and like normally I try to watch that with certain shows if I don't hate their voice like you know the person describing <laughs> things um but a group of my friends and I were like, we were watching it and I wanted to watch it with them, but I was like having trouble following everything, mm. TV size and, you know, mm. um, and they were like, oh, we could just put it on. Like, and that felt, that was so like nice because it's so simple, but like, I still didn't even tell them how much that meant to me, but it did like, it means a lot. Cause it's like, oh my God, you're like including me and it's not like an annoyance, which is, like, what yeah. it has been my entire life. Like, people would make right. it seem like it's so, like, ugh. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we value our friendships, like, a lot more because they could get to that level. But then also, like, it's a good way to ward off, I guess, superficial people. Because oh, it's like, yeah, if they're not, like, wow, you don't want to hang out with me because I have a cane? Like, all right, bye then. Like Exactly. It's No, it's true. Like, I was telling someone, I was like, I went to take a group photo with some folks, and I had a walker that day. I had a rollator. And the person who was taking the photo was like, oh, did you want to put that to the side? And I was like, how am I going to stand for this photo if, if I put this on the side while I'm standing? Like, all right, everyone? ready, one, two, and then you're like on the ground. <laughs> Lovely picture. <laughs> Right, right. Like it's 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 just kind of like there's no consideration. So when there are folks who are considerate, it's it feels really amazing. Yeah, it feels really amazing, and it's it's super affirming when folks don't make it seem like you're a burden. You know, when they're like, "Oh, this is something that you need in order to live like everyone else." You know, it's it's beautiful. So I'm really glad that you have friends who are open to doing that. That's that's amazing. That's really really wonderful. So yeah, I even decorated my cane. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Can I touch it? Yeah. That's so cool. I just put tape in paper. <laughs> so so Jade just handed me her uh her cane and it's it looks amazing. Like it's covered in paper and paper that's written all over. Yeah. In various colored markers. And and there's tape over the paper holding it in place, but it's it's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. Yeah, it makes it so much fun to go out with now. <laughs> I'm like, look at it. It's so cool. It is. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was really really nice. So, where do you see yourself like moving forward? Like, how do you? Because you're still a student. You have another semester left. Um, in undergrad, well, right? Well, no, this semester. 
This is my last yeah. Oh, this is your last semester? Yeah. Oh, oh, well, let me correct myself because I just lied. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is your final semester here, more college. Um, what are your plans for your future as an artist? Well, I would love to stay in Philly because I love it here. Um, my lease isn't up until like June. So since I'm done in December, I have to walk in like May, but I'm trying to find a job with like local like nonprofit disability and art related stuff. So, Definitely. Yeah, I wanna hopefully I could get lucky and like actually do that. I already contacted some people last year before I changed my resume. <laughs> they were like, Oh, you're graduating in May, this is great and I was like, Oh no I'm not, I'm sorry. So hopefully they still have like a job in January or like I hope so, yeah. Or maybe May if I could like wait again or whatever, that's fine. Um because it was like from eight to three and I'd be working with like adults with disabilities from like, you know, eighteen and up, um and they have like a different range of stuff and I've done that with internships too. So that's I would wonderful. like to continue doing that and then yeah, it's like if I could help other people make their art while getting paid for a job and then also just having time to do my own stuff, like, you know, on the side, like that's that's all I want, <laughs> really. Uh, yeah. That sounds amazing. Well, I hope I hope you're able to get that. That sounds really wonderful. I think that would be fantastic. Where do you see things moving forward for you as a disability advocate? I mean, you just mentioned working with adults with disabilities, but any other things that you're thinking of doing um, for your future? Yeah, I've been thinking of like applying to uh, a leeway grant whenever I can. Like, oh, great! Actually, yeah apply to it, because um, I know they have, like, certain, um, you know, you have to be at school for, like, this amount of time or whatever. Uh, so I would want to do that. They had, like, one thing that I was going to do, but then I didn't have time to actually, like, you know, sit down and actually make everything. But I was thinking of uh, doing, like, disability pride flags, like how the gay pride oh, stuff nice, are. Nice. So it'd be, like, yeah, different ones based on your different disabilities. So I had one that was like all encompassing of all of them. And then I had one that was just like for blind people or one for physical disabilities. So uh, I'm still like working on that. I made like a bunch of digital mockups of it though. That's so, great. Yeah. Looking forward to when those come out, I will be there so I can wave my, <laughs> so I can wave my flag too along with you. Um, so that's our show for the day. Thank you so much, Jade, for inviting me here to your beautiful studio to see your amazing artwork and to really experience it and also to speak with you about your experiences as a disabled uh, Puerto Rican artist. I, I'm just, I'm floored by your work. I think it's absolutely beautiful and it's so thoughtful, not only for yourself, but also for others of us who are also disabled. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your work and all the advocacy work that you're doing as well. So thank you to those who are out there listening. You can listen to this podcast on Art Blog's website. You can also listen to it on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you for tuning in and have a great day. Bye, y'all.